welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hi, it's Emma. And as a quick introduction, I lead the Researcher Development and Culture team at the University of Leeds. My podcast episodes focus on areas of research leadership and research culture. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Elizabeth Adams from Scaffold Coaching. And we're going to be tackling the team-based narrative CVs or resume for research innovation. If these are brand new to you or there's something that you're currently trying to write, then hopefully we will have the hints and tips on how to approach them. If you're writing an individual narrative CV, perhaps for a fellowship application, then we have a separate podcast episode that covers this. So welcome, Elizabeth. Let's start off with the proper introduction and also why you're interested in narrative CVs. Hi, Emma. I'm Elizabeth and I work for my own business, Scaffield Coaching, and I deliver workshops and researcher development support to institutions across the UK and, and internationally. And a lot of that's about helping people to um, grow in their careers, but also to apply for funding. And one of the things that people have been asking me about recently a lot is narrative CVs, as they're, they're seeing these as a new and potentially quite um, difficult, challenging thing to grapple with as they're trying to um, talk about themselves in a different way to what they're used to. And most recently, team narrative CVs have come in as a new way of doing this for grant applications. And I think it just deserves a bit of thinking about, you know, what what are we expecting from people here? How do people actually go about writing one? Um, if I thought it was hard to write an individual one, it's going to be really hard to write a team one where there's just so many voices in the room and so many people and you're trying to be fair. And, and how do you go about it? So you're absolutely right. We hear all the time that these are really challenging for individuals, but then you've got the whole next level up and you've got the team based ones, uh, a limited amount of space, often the same amount of space. But now you've got a lot more expertise to get in and you obviously need to demonstrate a good balance across the team. Before we dive into some of the uh, trickier questions around these types of CVs, I've got my view on them um, and I know that they're tricky to write. But I have to ask, what's your view on the team narrative approach? What I'd really love is if they encourage people to talk at an earlier stage about what they really aspire to with the team, <clears throat> like how by bringing this group of people together, are we going to be a team that's truly greater than the sum of our parts? And how how are we going to do that work to make sure that you know it's a good and positive experience and environment for the early career researchers for the PhD students coming through within that environment and that you're going to leave behind a legacy of, of something um, for the sector and for your discipline so I, I think if it promotes those kinds of conversations at the outset um, and then as a tool to help people really review whether you're, you're going to be able to deliver that as part of the project, then I think it's a real positive. Um, and I think the, the challenge will be that people writing grant applications rarely have that time because they don't, you know, it's such a risk. You're trying to write several grant applications and, and put, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And if you had all of these meetings for every possible collaboration, it would be really time consuming and people don't have that time. So if they're striving for one particular thing, what do you think that should be with this document? I think to demonstrate that the environment within the project 
is going to be the right one to deliver a really, really good project, to project manage it well, to lead it well, to make sure that it engages with the public or communities or whatever it has to do, you know, that you've got all the right strengths and experience to do that. Um, but actually also it's going to be a good environment for the early career people who are, who are associated with that project. Brilliant. Thank you. So I am pretty certain we could do an entire podcast series on the challenges associated with team-based narrative CVs. But today we're trying to pick out some of the practical steps that individuals and teams can use to try and create these documents. So I'm going to ask some specifics about the challenges that we've seen. And also, please feel free to bring in any additional ones that you've seen so we know that we can't put everybody in every box. As you said, we've often got really small amounts of space here. And you may be having teams of you know, upwards of seven or eight people. One of the ones I did recently was 11. And that was really challenging because you're, what you're trying to do is distill people into a couple of sentences. So we advocate putting people where they're strongest. And that's really tricky when you've got a whole bunch of experienced people. So how do we even begin to agree on what or who goes where? It's a really difficult one. I think getting each individual to do some thinking beforehand and, you know, writing some notes as if they were making their own individual CV probably is helpful. And then also thinking about, you know, what type of contribution would this individual be making to the grant? So if they are actually only like 0.1% of the grant and and they're really they're just there as a strategic input then you want to be demonstrating their ability and capacity to be strategic so you know what other situations have they done this strategic level activity at um you know have they been leading on a research center or you know sort of really pushing forward a new discipline or or being creative or you know really talking about what research looks like in your discipline how are they doing those things? That's what you talk about. You don't talk about their history of teaching or, you know, how many PhD students they've supervised necessarily. If actually the person doing the supervision of the PhD students is someone else, then I think you need to talk about their experience and capacity to, to manage teams and to develop the careers of others. So just think about, you know, who's doing the different types of things in the project and how are you demonstrating that you've got the right people? And obviously there might be people who are supervising PhD students for the first time. In that situation, you might want to think about how will you, you know, demonstrate that they'll be surrounded by mentors who have that level of experience and can support them to, to you know, learn, learn and do that well. One of the other things that we've been encouraging them to do is to get all of that information up front so everybody almost giving their examples, but then selecting one person to write the narrative CV on behalf of everyone so that it's got that one flow. Is that something you would recommend? Absolutely. I think even for an individual, the flow can become quite clunky when you start editing things down and, and you really need someone else to read it and see if actually they understand how one thing's building on the other. When it comes to a team, you just want someone else to read it and say, does this demonstrate that the team will be able to deliver the project in terms of the technical expertise, in terms of their ability to project manage things, in terms of their ability to work together across disciplines or, you know, across stakeholders and with the different partners? Does it show that they've got the right partners to do all the sort of knowledge exchange and research impact work that they might have talked about in the bids? And, and those are the kinds of questions you need to be 
asking at the review stage, but one person writing that is going to make a much more coherent narrative than everyone else sort of sticking their bits in. And, and um, yeah, you can just imagine like people putting things in and sort of different tenses and all sorts. So yeah, just one person. And apologies if you are the person that's drawn that short straw. So the next thing I want to uh, talk about is the whole benefit of this type of CV. So it's designed to create that level playing field between researchers that may be just starting out in their careers and also those who are more established. So how do we make sure that as part of these team narratives, those with less experience don't inadvertently become less visible because their biggest achievements may still be overshadowed by some of those more established researchers? I think it it's a hard one. I don't like, would it matter to you ultimately if your name isn't mentioned 20 times in a narrative CV? You know, if it if it still allows you to get a grant and work on it in a way that is meaningful for you and for your career going forward, then I think that might be the more important thing. Um, really it's just a tool for you to have a conversation about what contributions are you going to make to the grant what do you need from each other what are you going to lead on what experience do you have already um and then just talk you know being comfortable that different people will have different levels of experience and you might be talking about the big strategic projects that one person's led but actually for the early career person it's about demonstrating that they also have um project management experience albeit at a much lesser scale but if they're going to be doing the day-to-day -day project management their experience is actually much more important to the actual cv than that someone else who won't be doing any project management saying that they once did something amazing what about um some of the researchers who may be earlier in their career wondering about how they include things potentially like career breaks or actually more for our, for our established researchers as well how they include things like career breaks or perhaps they've changed direction within their research trajectory how do you uh, tackle those challenges within these documents so there is a box that's um, there intentionally for things like career breaks and additional information. There's usually quite um, strict guidance in the call itself about what can and can't be put in there. Um, so just read the guidance and see if there's anything that's applicable in there. Don't try to like use it as a way to slot in anything extra. Um, in terms of things like the story of individuals' careers, it's about thinking, you know, is this relevant to the bid that we're making? And if it was an individual CV, it would absolutely be relevant to sort of tell the story of how they've, you know, flexed their career and built on one thing and the next and maybe taken advantage of certain opportunities. Um, usually people want to know what you've what you've done and what the outcome of that has been. And and everyone accepts that people have challenges in their working lives and their careers and their personal lives that will impact on their abilities um, to you know be doing research all of the time and I think that's probably the strength of the narrative series it allows you to sort of talk about you know what you have been able to do um, rather than just sort of mentioning the gaps or the, the lack of things um, so so I think to focus on the positives of how you've picked up um, after a particular situation rather than focusing on any of the sort of the negative things that have happened in your career unless of course there's things that you've learned from them and, and so if you've had to pivot because of whatever reason and you know that might be that because um the funding just wasn't there and you've had to move directions you know we we recognize that not everything is this 
wonderfully planned out career where everything happened the way that you wanted it to um, but just how did you build on the opportunities you had great thank you so one of the um recent examples that I've been asked to review had um box number three so the ones where you make those contributions to your research area your search field and I said we had um, I think nine people involved on this bid and it just became a long list of bullet points of all of the committees that people sat on and we are we are advocating for you know them to be really concise but actually tell us what they do with these committees telling us that you're on five or six different committees doesn't actually tell us about what you do or crucially how the committee or the end user actually benefits any advice on how you can have those discussions because it can get quite difficult mm -hmm. i think trying to do it in a way where the almost using having those discussions is a way of testing out how you work as a team in, in difficult situations can you actually put in place a sort of structure where everyone gets to contribute in a way that you know maybe you everyone just you know think for a minute and write down your thoughts on a post-it and then read out what you've written and, and sort of share and have that sort of equitable time for people across the the meeting um to to explain why their particular committee or contribution, what it was, and um, why that's relevant to the bid itself. Um, and then that might allow for a bit, bit of a better discussion rather than maybe a round table discussion where people are talking on top of each other. So just model the, the kind of behaviours that you want to see when you're actually talking about your research as well. Brilliant, thank you. Um, now we know ourselves, we've been focusing here a lot about the researchers that are often included in the applications. But for example, UKRI are starting to promote the inclusion of technical staff and professional services on funding applications. So do you think it will be a case that these roles will be included within these narratives? And is that actually a double-edged sword? Oh, so absolutely, I think they'll, they'll be included. And I think that it would just seem strange not to include if like the technicians are, are actually doing really core pieces of the work um then i think you need to include you know who's going to be doing these really crucial bits of the work uh, maybe having a look at things like the credit taxonomy for example if that's relevant to your discipline might give you some of the words for talking about the types of contributions that different roles different specialists might be making um including professional services um I'm interested about the, the double-edged sword. I mean, is that is that something people are worried about, that they feel like they're almost being assessed or that if they're not included, they're they're not valuable to the projects? It's more around um if you if you look at the structure of the of the template at the moment, it is very written for research-based activity. So how would somebody potentially from professional services be able to equate their experience and does it potentially look like a weaker application because they haven't got all of this research experience i think what we're what we're tackling here is are people going to be left off an application because they don't look as though they are um filling evidence across one or more of these areas mm. and yeah we probably can't know that yet because so few people will have found out if anyone has yet whether or not their team narrative cv has been um reviewed reviewed favorably 
I think there's a lot of things like that to really like potential areas for funders to reflect on post panels, you know, how are people understanding the contributions of professional services staff, for example, or technicians. And I think that's just part of a wider conversation for the sector. So if it, that enables us to have some of those conversations, because it'll be exactly the same conversations that come down to things like should um, other types of staff be included in the ref and actually who would assess what they're contributing and, and what does that look like and what do we value in what professional services staff do. I think it's probably fair to say there's some work for um, people and colleagues like myself and my team to be able to support our professional service colleagues to be able to complete these um, resumes, these narrative CVs in the same way that we support the researchers. So I'm all for that one. One question we get asked quite a lot is what happens if the team changes? If one person leaves or somebody else joins the team once the application's gone in, does this then look like a risk for the funder? I guess that's the same for any um, researched grant application, whether it's a narrative CV or any other kind of CV. And I think you just put in place things to to manage that um, with the funder and just, you know, make sure you talk to them. Funders are generally like real people. There are real people that work there and find out what their guidance is. And it will absolutely depend on, you know, where are they moving to? Are they staying within academia? Are they staying within research? Are they retiring? Are they leaving for ill health? You know, what are the reasons and what other could someone else step in and take on that role? So, so yeah, it will be a risk if a core part of a, a project is leaving, but you know, how, how can you mitigate that? And I suppose if you've had a conversation about what is that person really bringing to the project, then that might make it easier to think about what do we need? Where else could we get these skills? Great, thank you. And again, we are almost up to time. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to cover anything else that you want to tackle on narrative um, team-based CVs, any advice that you've got for people who are just starting out with these or wondering where on earth they came from in the first place. So over to you. Try it out understand that it's going to be a messy process that probably no two CVs are going to look the same and don't stress about that being different and um, if you do have feedback on how this works for you for your disciplines for your types of projects and um, please do give that feedback back to the funders so that they can really inform how they're thinking about these things in future and the kinds of guidance that they give to reviewers. I'm just going to sneak one last question in sorry it's just popped into my head we get asked a lot if people can view um, other people's narrative CVs. What's your view on this? Well, funders don't typically share them because they don't want there to be a set format because obviously everyone's CV is quite unique and different and your story is different. And, you know, if, if we're really honest about valuing different people's um, experiences and stories, then there shouldn't just be one size fits all. Um, that said, I'm sure if you know colleagues who have written one, they might be willing to share them and give you a look, but you know, don't sort of take that as the be all and end all. Um, at the end of the day, if it makes sense and it represents that your team in a, a way that demonstrates that you have the capabilities to deliver the project, then that's a win. And at this point, I'll just do a big plug for the resources that we're creating within the researcher development culture team at Leeds. We have got some um, 
guides and um, useful words that you can throw into these CVs to help you to write them, to help you to craft them, to think about how they read from a reviewing perspective. And we will drop a link into the show notes. On that note, Elizabeth, thank you very much for joining us. It's been absolutely fantastic to get your views on these uh, and to also know that I'm not the only one that struggles with them, as I'm sure uh, many of our listeners will agree. So over to you for the last word. Oh, well, I'm I'm wishing you all positive conversations about, you know, how you want your team to be as much as what you want your team to do. Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.